Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Four Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusak, and in this episode, my guest is GolfWeek and GolfWeek.com senior writer Adam Shupak. And in the podcast you're about to hear, he and I discuss at length Bryson DeChambeau and his new power style of golf, the way that he basically took apart the Detroit Golf Club en route to winning the Rocket Mortgage Championship last weekend. Then we also talk about how much Bryson's game could maybe influencing younger generations, his, also his peers out on the PGA Tour, and if his game will translate into the major championships. How does Bryson's power game, his bomb and gouge style, translate to not only the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open, which will hopefully be played at Wingfoot in September. I'd love me some Wingfoot in September. Um, as well as Augusta National and the Masters, which is currently scheduled for November. Adam and I then also talk at length about Tiger Woods not playing this week at the Workday Charity Open. And we try and get, read some of the tweet tea leaves and, and figure out when he may be coming back, how much he might need to play before the PGA Championship, and what Tiger Woods' schedule might be for the rest of 2020. And we also discuss how COVID-19 positive tests have basically become a part of the PGA Tour at this point, and whether seeing two or three names every single week, it seems like now, testing positive, is that a good thing, a bad thing, or just simply the reality that we have right now in America? Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard and co-author of the Younger Next Year Back Book, Dr. Jeremy James, Golf Forever is the take-anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body prime for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy-to-follow exercises, warm-up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best pain-free. Sign up today at GolfForever.com and use promo code GOLFWEEK for a free 14-day trial. And now, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Adam Shupak, Adam, senior writer with both GolfWeek and GolfWeek.com. How you doing, pal? Doing okay, doing okay. So if, uh, when was the last time you pegged it up? You've been playing? I got out yesterday, had the day off. Um, it was like the gods were with me because it was raining here in Florida, shocker. <laughs> and uh, the thunderstorms broke for about a two-hour window, and I, I walked nine on TPC Stadium course. They just reopened the stadium course and uh, played the front nine all by myself, had the course to myself so I could you know drop a few. And uh, pretty glorious afternoon, I, I got to say. Dropping a few and playing by yourself on TPC Stadium – that is Adam Shupak, folks. Just I don't know if that, that's necessarily name dropping. I don't even know what you would call that. Pl playing sometimes by yourself or just one other person when there's nobody else around so that you can, you know, hit a couple chip shots, play a second ball here or there. It's one of the, especially if you happen to catch it around twilight, is one of the most pleasurable things you can do on the golf course. I love being able to go out there, not rushed, play a few, joke around, maybe have a, have a cocktail. Um 
You're living a good life. You're you're, you're leading your best life, Adam Shupak. Mazel tov. Congratulations. I, I didn't get much credit for the uh, for the for the mulligan eagle that I made on the ninth hole. Um, but... <laughs> Nor should you. <laughs> but one of the guys who didn't need any mulligans certainly last weekend, Bryson DeChambeau, your winner at the Rocket Mortgage uh, Classic, and you and I both like to to dig deep into some stats. Just looking at his stat line for the week was. Just remarkable. I realize a lot of people have already talked about this stuff, but in case you're one of those folks who missed it a little bit, DeChambeau, for the week, strokes gained off the tee, obviously a big number one. He he got six and a half shots against the field there. Um, average driving distance, 350 yards. Um, in the final round, fourth round, 360 yards. Longest drive of the week, 377. Um just a dominant, overpowering performance in terms of the, the style of game. What what impression, as you were watching Bryson this weekend, what were you thinking in terms of the style? What Did you like it? Did you not like it? What do you make of him right now? It just blew my mind when he, uh, when he had the honor on Sunday at 13. It's playing 394 yards, and he, he told Troy Merritt, why don't you go first? Because he thought he might drive the green there, 400 pretty much 400 yards away. I think, uh, I hope Mike Davis and the USGA and RNA got a, got a look at that because, you know, it feels like that might be the future. And, and, in, you know, he kind of made fun of, uh, you know, Hey, Donald Ross, it is what it is early in the week that, you know, these great golf courses, we don't want to see them become obsolete and, and just, you know, you could, you could sling it around a bit there at Detroit golf club. And he would, he hit a few foul balls and he would still reach the par five and two with a with an eight iron, and I don't know. It's just it's just not as entertaining. I mean, it's 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 crazy to watch it, and it, it but but to watch it if that's going to be what golf is in the future, I, I think I don't think it's going to be very relatable to the average golfer. And I also feel like we're, we're going to miss out on seeing guys try to go for ever hit long irons for one thing. And, and try to hit a par five and two with a with a three wood or a, a four iron um, just feels like that's going to become a thing of the past. Well, there's actually a lot of meat on that bone that I want to kind of get into with you. And and one of the things you sort of mentioned is there people are going to be taking obviously notice of the way that he's playing. Mike Davis at the USGA, I'm sure the folks at the RNA are, are watching this very closely. I'm sure that you know everybody who's setting up golf courses at the PGA Tour to some degree is, is watching this and just being wary right now there, there it's one thing to i think win at detroit golf club but do you think that this type of golf that bryson dechambeau is playing the style is going to be something that will be influential in the short term and also in the long term i could see it maybe in the long term maybe because if you are an elite junior golfer bryson is basically giving you a roadmap that says look power and distance off the tee and an an an, an ability to hit some wedge shots is going to pretty much put you in contention most weeks. And on the weeks when you get really hot with the putter and he putted great last week and something that is really was going to get lost in the mix. He ended up finishing number one in strokes game putting also. So he had the recipe, but even when he doesn't have the putter going, he is now showing the world that this, this style will win you a lot of money. I could see collegiate players, elite amateurs who, who aspire to the tour doing this. If you're a player who's already on tour right now, the aforementioned Troy Merritt, there's not a lot you can probably do. Is there? Is he going to be influential in the short term? 
Well, he made the point that he thought it would take gener- a generation. I disagree. I think, you know, anytime this is a new fad, this is like guys with trying a belly putter after Adam Scott has success in the Masters. I mean, there are going to be people that are going to go to their trainers and, and are, they're going to say, I want to do this too. I'm going to start chugging protein shakes and doing whatever else it is <laughs> that Bryson's trying to do and think, you know, I, I, I got to get. I got to get 10 yards longer, 15 yards longer. I think about what Justin Rose and did. He called it Project Project 300. Well, yep. now you need Project 350 now. I mean, it, it's a little a little crazy when you start thinking about it when you go down that road. But all these guys are trying to do it. Webb Simpson has been able to gain yards. He, he's not long by any stretch yep. of the means, but he's been able to gain. He's talked about the speed that he's gained, the distance. And what what that's meant to his game. I mean, it's still at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta have the short game and putt well. And and this particular week, Bryson was number one in, in putting. And it sure helps when you're when you're you know pitching on from 30, 40 yards and and your proximity is much better. That's gonna all help. I don't think he's gonna putt that well all the time. And you know, there there are guy there were short hitters in the field. Um, you know, he played on on Saturday with um you know, one of the one of the shorter guys, uh, Armour Ryan Armour. Yep. Uh, so I mean, there these you know, it's still there's it's, a lot of ways to skin a cat on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's funny you, you sort of mentioned you know the whole protein shakes and how many. I, I remember this is going back on a totally different tangent, but it's funny. So remember Carl Peterson lost a bunch of weight one year. I think he lost about thirty five pounds. Great guy. He was always good in the media center. Always gave time to to folks like you and I chatting. He lost the weight and his game suffered. And we've seen this before. Craig Stadler, way back in the day, lost some weight, put it back on. And and after he lost the weight, then Peterson put the weight back on. And I asked him about, you know, like, okay, well, I get taking weight off can be tough. You got to go into the gym. You got to watch your diet. What did you do to put the weight back on? He's like, Dave, putting weight back on is easy. It's like I had a pint of Haagen-Dazs and a six-pack of beer. Putting, putting on 35 pounds was no problem. And I'm like, this guy's my hero. I mean, if I didn't love a guy who was, you know, basically the Swedish meatball, then it's it's it, he was the best. But going back a little bit to what you were talking about, Mike Davis, all those people, are they concerned that this is going to be overly influential in the short run? Or the, if you are setting up major championships, how much notice do you take of one player so far who is doing what Bryson is doing? I don't know how much can do. And, 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 you know, Justin Thomas listened to his press conference today at the Memorial. He, he was asked a little bit about Bryson. I thought he made a pretty good comment. He, he said, people don't understand how hard it is to hit that straight at that highest speed. It's really, really hard to hit a ball, hit it anywhere. But for the most part, he's, he said, Bryson's hitting it on a string. And he said, that's what, what's been really unbelievable. And he said, you know, I went from being a little skeptical, a little skeptical about it to maybe saying some things to realizing he was beating me every week and I should probably shut up and just start playing better myself. So that was pretty good. And, but yeah, it, this is not, you know, we've always seen these long drive guys, the Jamie Sablowski's who can hit the ball a million yards, but can they hit it? You know, they struggle to hit it even in, in that, you know, football field that they've got to do yep. it you know, to get credit. So here, here's that, that, you know, I use the word freak, but that freak who can hit it long and hit it straight at the same time. And I think part of it is just, just how much his body has changed. I think, 
and how rapidly he did it because there we've seen, you know, I mean, Tiger was a string bean when he came out and you look at his body transformation, it's, it's sort of like it, you could compare it to Barry Bonds and baseball. I mean, it, it was years, but it was a total, it was, yeah, it was a total transformation, but we saw that one as a, as an evolutionary process. It, it didn't seem like there was, okay, Tiger shuts it down one year in October after a Ryder Cup, and then we see him in January the following year at Torrey Pines, and he's, and he's put on 30 pounds, and we've seen this. It was a progression, you know, from the 97 string beanies you talk about who, who wins at the Masters to 2002, 2003, and the, and the real one for me, when he showed up, I think it was the 2007 PGA Championship at Southern Hills. It was a real burner. It was like 100 degrees every day. The last day, of course, he's wearing red. He's got black pants. He's wearing a short sleeve red mock turtleneck. And I always remember this because he looked like Ronnie Lott. He was chiseled. He looked like he was ready to take down some guy doing a crossing pattern over the middle and would absolutely lay them out. And I'm like, oh, my God, Tiger is really, really gotten big. And, you know, yep. we'll see. I, I I agree. I think that it's going to be very difficult, though, to to make short-term changes based on this – What's been interesting to me, Shoop, is how much the players, as you're mentioning, are supporting Bryson. And I don't know, and this is, I guess, my question to you. For the most part, everybody's coming out saying, like, look, you're not giving the guy credit for being able to hit it straight at this kind of speed. Mickelson echoed the same kind of comments that Dustin, that uh, Justin Thomas said. Um, do you think the players are saying those things because they're trepidatious in any way that Look, if Bryson keeps doing this and we get four or five more guys over the course of the next six, eight months, 12 months who start doing this, big changes are going to come from the USGA, the RNA, the governing bodies. They're just not going to let this fly. Are they saying this to try and make it so, like, look what this one guy is able to achieve? This is really special. Or are they trying to, to maybe in some ways cover up their own their own livelihoods? I don't know. I think it's I think it's more. I think a lot of it is some is respect. I I, I re- really, uh, you know, VJ Singh in particular putting out a tweet saying how impressed he is what he's done. That's the guy who works harder than anybody, and 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 that's what I really admire about Bryson is he he's fully committed to this. He he believed in this these theories that he could gain yardage and that that was the way to to uh, to go from you know where he was already a guy who was it capable of winning five tournaments in 13 events on the PGA Tour and it, you know it's it's a bit like Tiger redoing his whole golf swing after winning the, you know the Masters by 12 strokes um he 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 totally committed to this he's worked hard he is a guy who is a bit obsessive compulsive and will you know I, I've written a story that Mike Shy his old coach told me about how he would basically you know, move a tire, swing and hit a tire uh, back and forth in a bunker for five hours, you know, as, as almost like that the drill of hitting the impact bag, um, you know, kind of a, a poor man's version of that. And, and I mean, that type of intensity is is pretty rare out on the PGA Tour these days. Yeah, it, it is. And I think that one of the things that maybe he doesn't get credit for sometimes is being brave. It's it's one thing to, in your mind, conceptualize a different way to go about the game or go about your livelihood, which is in this case is what what, what Bryson's doing. He is one hundred percent committed to this. If it doesn't work, he 
will not be able to blame anybody or put anything out. It's it's his own doing. He has been brave enough in some ways, and I think he deserves credit for this, for conceptualizing it, seeking out some people, being committed to it totally. And now he's getting the fruits of the benefits of it. You know, he's getting the labor. If it didn't work, I, I don't know. Some guys might, if I were to tell you, look, we're going to uncork a magic bottle, get the genie out, and you're going to be able to add 35 pounds relatively quickly. Um, and all of a sudden, like, you're going to get 25 yards longer. It all sounds great, but you don't know what that's going to do to your body long term. You don't know if that's going to potentially bring on injuries. Bryson's rolling the dice. He's going with it. I don't think that he's any risk risking injury any more than he would have otherwise. I'm not 100% sure I believe that, but I'm not sure he's getting credit for being willing to take the risk. As you noted, he's already won multiple PGA Tour events. He's a Ryder Cup level, President's Cup level player. He's been firmly planted in the top 20 for a couple of years now. He's won FedEx Cup playoff events. Um, there was theoretically a lot to lose if this if this doesn't go right. And now he's got to prove it at the majors. He he has to prove it at the majors where he's had no he doesn't have a top ten finish yet in a major. And we got to see if, is he mentally strong enough because you know this is a guy who who had quite an, a bit of an incident just over the weekend that a cameraman was too close to him wasn't giving him privacy. I mean his comments there um, showed some immaturity on his part. And I think he's still a guy who's got some growing up to do, but he did, you know, kind of nut up and, and close out the victory on Sunday when it, when it looked like he might give it away when he hit, the, when he pitched out and went in the water and he made bogey. And uh, those were some clutch birdies on, on 16 and 17 and, and, you know, finish up with three straight birdies and shoot the low score of the day, 65. Um, that, that was pretty, pretty strong, especially when he knew that, um, you know, the internet was blowing up over over his comments from the day before. What did you think about Saturday? And were you surprised that I, I'm sure you were surprised that the incident happened right then and there? Did it seem like it was out of character, out of sorts for Bryson? What what you saw? No, he he this he he does not handle when things don't go his way. He doesn't handle it very well. He still shows some immaturity type of guy. And I mean, hey, I, I get upset on the golf course too. That that's probably you know, why, why I'm, I'm not very good at the game is because I can't control my emotions as well as, as some other people. So I'm the, I'm, uh, you know, not yeah. one to be talking about this, but you know, sometimes he needs to be put in timeout. He's been caught too many times now swiping at bunkers, uh, slamming his putter on greens and, uh, you know, having some, some fits like a, like a little child, um, on the driving range at times. So yeah, this didn't, it didn't surprise me at all. So will you be more surprised if Bryson DeChambeau um, earns, say, like a top three? I'm not going to say that he has to win a major, but do you think given everything that's going on right now and the way that the majors are all mixed up and what the schedule is going to be, will you be more surprised if Bryson DeChambeau gets a top three in a major this year in 2020 or more surprised if he doesn't? Um probably be more surprised if he doesn't i think that the two guys that i'm really interested in are and if both of them it's it's can they control their emotions it's bryson dechambeau and john rom i think john rom's doing a little better he, he's showing progress but we'll have to see how he does it on sunday when he gets into that next you know players championship type situation with his caddy and, and has to has to you know when things are not quite going well can those guys 
handle the, the, the things that the U.S. Open does to your mind? Yeah, I, I think that, um, I mean, you and I have both been to Wingfoot. That is going to be, I think, in September, a really, really big challenge. There is the good possibility, and we're still a long ways away from that, and who knows what the world's going to look like. And the end of September, when the Open's going to be played there, we, we all hope. Based on the weather now and the type of spring, summer that we've had, and the way that traditionally late September in the tri-state area goes, you could have rough that is off the charts. It has been hot. It has been damp for the most part. We've had rolling thunderstorms here. Everybody saw Travelers Championship. We had to move the tee times up on Saturday because we had weather came in. Sunday, there was a thunderstorm that that basically uh, forced a delay for about an hour as Dustin Johnson was trying to finish out the tournament. That pattern has been what we have had here in the tri-state area for now for three weeks. So my lawn actually looks halfway decent because every day about a quarter to a half an inch of rain gets dumped on it in about five minutes, and then it's 90 degrees and humid the rest of the day. I don't know if DeChambeau's game would necessarily translate to winged foot with the big mature trees, the really thick, tough rough that you're going to get at a U.S. Open. But a PGA Championship at Harding Park isn't going to be that much different, I would think, than what we get at a week-to-week PGA Tour event. We'll see what we get in San Francisco. Um, but the one that I really want to ask you about, Shoop, is maybe it's not fair because we've never seen the Masters in November. Does this type of bomb and gouge style, could it work at Augusta National where there isn't rough? There is second cut. There are opportunities to recover. Bryson's played the Masters. I'm sure he's thought about this. How do you think this this lines up with Augusta National, as we at least as we know it? Well, he thought he could win. He was going to win the Masters as an amateur. So I, I think it's a place that he he feels really comfortable at, uh, has good feelings about. I, I think his game suits it pretty well. He's you know putting is not the best part of his game. So I mean I think if he wins it, it could be a VJ Singh style week or or like or like longer where they just have a great ball striking week. It's still so much a second shot golf course, and uh, you know I, I do think that this is something. I you know wing foot the way. For the U.S. Open, just to go back there, I think you know his strategy is to play it like Brooks Kepka played Beth Page Black last year in the PGA Championship, and just you know if you're hitting if you're hitting wedge in versus the other guy, you know Graham McDowell's hitting five iron, you know you got a better chance. And if you can, you know Brooks Kepka just manhandled that place, just pulverized it, especially that first day when he shot 63 and just drove it on a string. If if yep. If 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 uh, DeChambeau could do that, it'd be a pretty cool story for him winning in the Bay Area. He's a Sacramento guy, Northern Cal guy. Uh, I think that's a venue he probably has a, a, a fair amount of experience at. It um it'll be interesting to see. Nonetheless, I think that um when he was at Travelers, everybody was taking note on the ninth hole. He and a couple other the big hitters. I saw Justin Thomas nearly drove the green. Rory McIlroy nearly drove the green. The trees were set and the angle was such that if you were a really big stick, you could get the ball up and over, cut that corner and be in some cases, you know, 20 yards uh, you know, away from the green. Bryson hit a damn near pin high. I want to see either on Saturday or Sunday. I forget which. Um, I think it was Saturday. And what's interesting is the way that the members No, I mean, nobody plays from those back tees when they're playing TPC River Highlands under normal conditions. The trees are right off of the member tee box. The members, I'm sure, have never even considered that because you're literally looking at a row of pine trees 20 feet to your right side. You're going to drive it right into the middle of that pine tree. 
the the same thing to me could end up happening at Wingfoot. But but you bring up a good point where he's able to flight shots and and hit different clubs inherently gives him an advantage where we're used to seeing guys with seven iron and he's got wedge. That's a huge advantage into us open greens. Imagine if you will not to bounce back and forth, but at Augusta national in 2012, Bubba Watson wins because on 13, he cut the corner on the par five. And we were all like, Oh my gosh, Bubba Watson went over those trees and he had, I want to say gap wedge in the way that Augusta nationals 13th is set up right now. And the way that Bryson is hitting it, you wonder if he almost has to wait to have people like get onto the green because he could damn near put it into Ray's Creek. You know, <laughs> just the way that that L-shaped fairway is set up. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Wind's Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. I know people are like just assuming that this is an upgrade at the quarterback position, but I don't think we could say that for a fact. It, I'd say it's, it's a downgrade. He never really had game-to-game impact just coming off the edge and destroying people that we thought when we saw his athleticism in college and at the combine. And- the Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Listen and subscribe to The Counter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, enough about Bryson and enough about that. One guy we have not seen in too long a period of time is Tiger Woods. Tiger is not in the field this week at the Workday Charity Open uh, in Ohio. Are you surprised that we haven't seen Tigger out on tour yet? Not really. I I think... uh... I think he likes Muirfield. Well, he loves Muirfield Village. He's won there so many times. But uh, I just don't think he's going to play a lot of two weeks in a row, except for some rare exceptions. I'm really interested to see whether he will play the WGC FedEx St. Jude the week before Harding Park and the PGA Championship. He He's traditionally not liked to play before major championships in his, in the lead-up. Um, but he has, usually would make an exception with the PGA who'd play the the WGC back at Firestone when, when that was the the case in the schedule. Um, but I just don't see him playing a lot of two weeks in a row anymore, just with the way the back is and, and, and his injuries in general. Um, I think it's just a lot on his body. He, I don't know if we really get the full story on where his body is, but I just didn't think he would want to play. I think he's going to tee it up next week at Jack's place for the Memorial. I think he's got, wants to show respect. He wants, probably wants to get back out and get some reps. And, uh, and yeah, if, if he's not in the, if he's not in the field next week, that's when I'd start getting concerned. I, I agree. You know, I think this, I, all, all these, it would have been great for us to be able to watch Tiger. It'd be great for sport fans with no NBA yet and no major league baseball and, and football not going on. It would be great to see Tiger Woods for people who maybe don't follow golf or haven't taken to golf as it's basically the only sport that's going on right now. Um, for people who are not familiar with exactly what the schedule is and don't have it in front of you, this week we've got the work Workday Charity Open, and that's at Mirfield Golf Club in Dublin, Ohio. We're at the very same venue next week for the Memorial, and that tournament originally was supposed to be scheduled back at the beginning of June. Um, we are playing two weeks in a row because the John Deere Classic, ordinarily, which is this week, was canceled. That was out in Silvis, Illinois, so Jack Nicholas's house basically uh, out there in Mirfield village is is going to be where we're going to be for the next two weeks the 
U.S. Or excuse me, the British Open is canceled. That would ordinarily be the major that we get in the middle of July. We've got the 3M Open um, in Minnesota coming up in mid-July. Then, uh, as you, Adam mentioned, we've got the World Golf Championships, FedEx St. Jude Invitational, uh, TPC Southwind in Memphis. That's the last couple days of July, the first few days of August. And then we go right into the PGA Championship, TPC Harding Park, August 6, 7, 8, 9 in San Francisco. Um, one week for the Wyndham Championship, and then we go right into the FedEx Cup playoffs. We're starting this year at TPC Boston uh, in Norton Mass with Northern Trust. How many times does Tiger Woods, in your mind, need to play, ideally, twice? Is it better for him to be able to play twice before Harding Park? Or given just the crazy circumstances of 2020, is there any way for us to really know how players are going to react and maybe what the best thing is at this point for Tiger Woods if he wants to win a 16th major? Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of them. I think, you know, next week Memorial, I, I doubt it at 3M, really doubt any chance of that one. And then I, I think he probably will show up at the WGC and, and play two in a row, but it will be telling if he doesn't about what he, th what the condition of his back. And then, uh, I, you know, I don't think he's going to play all three. I would be surprised if he played all three FedEx cup events, uh, even though, the, you know, it, it's kind of set up now where you, you, you really need to play all three you have to win, yeah. win the thing. <clears throat> but I think he's more concerned about, uh, being ready for the U S open and, um, you know, he, he, there's no rider. It doesn't look like we're going to have a Ryder Cup. Uh, haven't gotten that official word yet, but I don't think it's too big of a secret at this point that uh, we yep. should be hearing something any day now. Yeah, it's, you know, for those of you scoring at home, Tiger Woods right now is number 41 in the FedEx Cup rankings. So he is, as of today, comfortably into the playoffs. We don't have to worry about that. There's some pretty big name players who have been all over the map when it comes to FedEx Cup points, but Tiger's there. His official world ranking right now is 14. The key number when you look up on his bio, though, and you're sort of alluding to it, is 44. Tiger's 44 years of age at this point, obviously with all the mileage on the back and everything else. Um, the one thing I think that he would have in his favor playing a couple weeks in a row if he needs to um, or if he has to is summer months, I would think, warmer. It's going to be easier. It's one thing if he was going to play a couple weeks in a row – and it was maybe in preparation for a British Open where it was cold and wet and damp. San Francisco can certainly be that. There's no question about it. Memphis um, will be good on the back. <laughs> Me Memphis will be very good on the back. Everybody feels good, you know, listening to some blues music, have some barbecue, and then go out and it's 98 degrees and it feels like you're in the Congo. Yeah, your back's going to be nice and loose. Um, and to be honest with you, every place it seems right now in the U.S., at least continental U.S., is, is steamy. So hopefully... That all bodes well for, for Tiger Woods back. Um, at the same time, though, I, I still – I just wonder. You know, it's to me, I, I guess I'm in your camp. I'm not surprised we haven't seen him. I would love it if he got out of the habit of waiting until Friday at like 4.30 to put up on his website or to put up somebody, yes, I'm going to play. There has to be some type of a plan. My My one worry, I guess, and let me ask you this, and it's a question that's impossible to answer with any kind of reporting behind it. As we've gotten used to, and, and it's become somewhat normal now, to see on the PGA Tour two or three guys a week either testing positive for COVID-19 or withdrawing due to COVID-19-related issues. A caddy has it. Uh, they played alongside somebody else who did, so out of a, an abundance of caution, they are pulling out. Um, if you're Tiger Woods and you're seeing all this, does that mean anything to you? 
is is there any reason why you think like okay if we're having this steady flow of just a couple guys every week does that play into his decision to play or not play at all do you think I don't think so. I, I don't know if he's, uh, you know, maybe he is a germaphobe, uh, but I don't I don't think he's I think it's more about how he, the body just is not able to do it like it like he used to the recovery that's involved. And he's saving himself for the weeks that matter and, and chasing chasing Jack. Yeah, and he's said from the beginning, that's the stuff that matters. I mean, at this point, again, at 44 years of age with 15 majors. I don't think, with all due respect, he's worried about 3M Opens, that he's he's worried about, you know, RBC Heritage Classics. That That's not what is really going to get him going. The idea of winning a U.S. Open at Wingfoot, knowing the names that have won at Wingfoot before and the prestige around that, yeah, that's going to get him going. Winning at Harding Park, being a California guy, I think that would excite him. And obviously... Being the only player to ever win a Masters, his sixth Masters, to tie Jack Nicklaus and do it in November and to successfully defend. You have people forget, like, he's the defending Masters champion. To to win back-to-back Masters, I think that he will be completely jazzed up for that. Um, one last question, shoot, before we sort of break it off. Is it okay if we start feeling used to guys testing positive at week-to-week events? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I know that when, the, when Nick Watney withdrew and tested positive for COVID-19 at the RBC. We, it feels like in some ways, everybody was really shocked that we were, you know, all of a sudden this bubble, you know, quote unquote, around the PGA Tour was burst. There was nobody who tested positive at the first event, um, the Charles Schwab Challenge. And maybe that set us up for nothing but failure because somebody was gonna test positive. It didn't happen the first week, it happens the second. Then there's a couple other guys who test positive. Then maybe we get this false positive with Cameron Champ. is it all becoming in some ways background noise? And is that a good thing or a bad thing that we're not surprised and we're not taken aback by maybe two or three guys every week having to withdraw? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was an inevitability that somebody was going to have it. It just turned out to be Nick Wadney. And, and, but then it started to be this trickle almost every day. And, and that's when I started, you know, when you were in Hartford, there was, there was this feeling like, are they going to have to shut this thing down again? And, and really, the numbers have still been extremely low when you compare it to, to any of the other sports and what we're, what we're starting to see. But, you know, I, I just think that uh, I think that they needed a bit of a wake up call. They, you know, I think some of the players, they clearly were just felt that they had already tested, you know, they neg, you know, negative or they were all clear that they had been approved and so that they could do knuckle bumps and and they could go out to dinner and that they were fine. And and the reality is, no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be, take this really seriously. Otherwise it's going, we're going to have problems. It'll, it's going to spread and we're going to have another shutdown. And and I think that the worst thing right now would be for golf because everybody's looking at golf. They're under a lot of scrutiny. And so, you know, this is a, you know, it's been great for people that love golf to be able to watch it on the weekends and whether they're, I, I think the, Memorial made a, the right decision to let, you know, post, they were talking about having fans. I didn't think that was a good idea at all. Um, but, you know, I think they made the right decision to, to uh, no longer allow fans next week. So I, I'm not sure we're going to see any fans before the end, you know, in the, before next season. I, 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 you know, they haven't really gone that far down the road yet, but I don't, I don't see why they would risk it at this point. 
I 100% agree. Um, I forget who on social media said this, and I apologize for not having the name in front of me, but um, the gist of their statement was essentially that sports is a luxury for societies. We don't have to have sports. Yes, there are jobs, I understand, for people who work at stadiums and work for sport teams, and it's not an easy time for them. And and I'm sympathetic for that. You know, you and I have have had this affect us and our families as, as well from a financial standpoint. Um, but there's nothing that society, you know, with, within what we do here in the United States and most countries that says we must have spectators and able to enjoy sport, that we we have to have sport. And I, I agree, you know, as long as we can do it safely, as long as the people who are involved in the games know and understand the risks and we try and keep them as safe as possible and they keep themselves as safe as possible, then I'm all for it. They're, the idea of having eight or 10,000 people walking around Mirfield Village, I wouldn't have gone. There's no way in hell I would have gone and walked on those golf courses because there's no way that you'll be able to social distance. Even if everybody was wearing a mask, there's just no way to do it. Um, and we're just not there yet. And when you look at different states having to close down bars and reduce the number of people in restaurants and closing beaches and all these things, um, I just don't think we're at the point where large gatherings of people, even at outdoor venues like a golf course, is a great idea. Playing golf is a fantastic idea because it's easy for us recreationally to socially distance. And if the guys on the PGA Tour are smart, it's very simple for them to, to do it safely and to set a great example. Anecdotally, are you seeing more people? Well, you're obviously in, in Florida, North Florida. Florida's going through some tough times right now. Are people still playing as much as they were a month or two ago, or do you think that there's a decrease in the number of tee times and, and our golf courses being affected by the second wave? No, I think people are still playing a lot. I think it maybe a little less in the sense that there's some more activities that you can do as, as they've started to open up uh, gyms and thing and other things again. So there's other, there's some other activities you can do besides golf. And then also in my particular area, a lot of snowbirds have decided to, to leave. So the, but for a while there, I mean, needed a tea time at six o'clock to go out and play. Yeah, and that was before daylight savings. So it, it's it's been really uh, it's been really great to see so many people out there playing golf and 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 loving. You know, some of them rediscovering how much they love the game, or or rediscovering how fun it is to just walk and and instead of taking a golf cart. I agree. I, I've talked to a bunch of people at different manufacturers. They're also seeing a much bigger and more substantial boost in sales, golf clubs, golf carts, push carts. You can't buy a push cart hardly anymore. The, the things are sold out. Golf shoes. Um, people are playing a lot. They're purchasing things. I think maybe because they're not flying around and maybe going on the big summer vacations, people are a little bit surprised. Some of the folks that I talk to that they're actually able to sell thousand dollar sets of irons and 450 and $500 drivers. People are buying them. And um, yeah, it's everything is healthy. Everything is looking good on that front. Hopefully it it stays that way and people get to keep enjoying it. When are you playing next? Well, I haven't looked outside. We've got some, <laughs> some weather, but uh, it's possible we might get a, a late nine in today or or probably maybe tomorrow. Um, but definitely, I already got a tea time on the weekend with uh, with my wife. So we're going to get out Excellent. and uh, chase it around at Sawgrass Country Club. How many, uh, how many strokes is she giving you? Uh, not enough. <laughs> Excellent. Shoop, I appreciate you coming on the Forward Press, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Always a pleasure.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.